It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Happy Presence Day, people! I think you mean Presence Day, Mateo Bozada. This is what's wrong in our country. At least I would win the popular vote. You would be the worst president ever. Oh, really? Hello, America. Who likes donuts? What are you doing? Free donuts for all. Please stop. It's not my fault. People love America. I already sound like a politician. I'm not running for a party. I just show up to them. This is what happens when you don't act. Why would I nap when I'm trying to be my president? He means present. I can see it now. My face on every penny. Nobody likes pennies. That's sure gonna change. You might be a cent, but you're not innocent. Apparently you don't have to run a country. Hi, my name is Nick from the Marlins Catch Podcast. Make sure to follow us at Marlins Catch on Twitter and Instagram. For more Marlins content, check out our website at themarlinscatch.com. The Marlins Catch Podcast is sponsored by the Baseball Podcast Network, and you can follow the Baseball Podcast Network on following platforms. Instagram, Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, Baseball Podcast One, without the T. YouTube and SoundCloud at Baseball Podcast Network. You can listen to the Marlins Catch Podcast live on blogtalkradio.com or download the Marlins Catch Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Enjoy the show. Good it's going down. I'm yelling to my. You better move. You better dance. Let's make a night. You won't remember. I'll be the one. You won't forget. And what's going on, guys? And welcome back to the Marlins Catch. I am Nick, your host. And I am Barry, your color commentator. <laughs> and everyone, welcome back to the Marlins Catch. We have a very exciting episode today, as we will be joined by two other podcasts tonight, FanCast and the Amazing Mets podcast at 7.45 today. And we will be previewing the NL East today, predicting the Marlins lineup, rotation, bullpen, and bench players, and upcoming prospects for the team. We are going to jump right into uh, this one today, and we are definitely going to start off with the Marlins' projected lineup for the 2019 season. Uh, Barry, I'm just going to read them off here on my projected lineup, and you can tell me right after I read the lineup, rotation, and the bullpen, and if you agree with it. All right, sounds good. So, leading off for the Marlins this year, I have right fielder Curtis Granderson, Coming in here, everyone said that he was going to be the leadoff man. I agree with it. I think he's going to be the leadoff man for the team. I think he has what it takes. I love Curtis Granderson. I think that he is a great player to have on the roster. I think it's an like, amazing signing, Barry. What do you thought about Curtis Granderson leading off? I absolutely love it. He's fantastic. He's a leader. Uh, he's demonstrated his leadership on other teams that he's played with. 
and I will tell you right up in front, this is a man that is looking for a big contract. He's looking for a big payday down the line. So he's going to produce. He's going to show the players how to produce, the rookies. Uh, he is a Marlins catch as far as I am concerned. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Curtis Granderson being uh, a veteran at age 37 years old, uh, coming in here, uh, it was a great time for Miami as he will be, in my prediction, the leadoff man. Barry, from now on, I will be reading uh, the rest of the seven players on here, and then you can tell me your opinions right after. So, batting second for the Miami Marlins, I actually have on this list, I can pull it up here, Brian Anderson. Anderson will be batting second here. I think he's more of a pure contact hitter. He does have some power to him. He will be playing third base, in my opinion, and he will be batting second. I think Anderson really fits well here as an on-base hitter. He can hit it over the wall when he needs to be a very good contact hitter, and I love having him up the lineup. Batting third, I have second baseman Stalin Castro. Castro was batting third last year in opening day. He played well. Um, of course, Manley moved him around a lot, but I think Castro is a lock for the number three hitter. He's a great all-around hitter, in my opinion. He has maybe he has the best. He's the best power hitter on the team, maybe. But I think he's just a great all-around hitter. He can hit the ball. Hits for average. He had a two seven around a two seventy average last season, and I think Castro has what it takes to be the number three hitter. And of course, the number three hitter is highly regarded and regarded as the best position in the lineup for the Marlins. Batting fourth is the new is the new catcher that the Marlins have acquired. That is Jorge Alfaro. Jorge Alfaro was brought in by the Phillies, of course, in the JT Real Muto trade. And I think Alfaro has what it takes to be the number four hitter. As he is more of a power hitter, I think Alfaro has great power. He does swing to the fence a little too much. He needs to work on reducing the strikeouts, in my opinion. But Jorge Alfaro is definitely a great player that we added. And we could definitely see him at the number four spot. Batting fifth, I got left fielder Victor Victor Mesa making the roster and batting fifth. I think Victor Victor is a long shot for some people, but in my opinion, he's going to beat out everybody else, and he's going to be the starting left fielder on the roster. I know some people are saying Martin Prado started left field, which is a great thing to have in consideration because I do think Martin Prado has what it takes as well to start. But Victor Victor Mesa is going to show up to camp, and he's going to absolutely light it up. I think Victor Victor Mesa was a great addition, of course, from the international slot as we brought him on here, and he is going to make the roster from spring training. He's going to impress everybody. I think Victor Victor Mesa is definitely a great player to have, and he will be batting fifth in the middle of the lineup. Nick, i got to break in here on this one. I love Victor Victor Mesa. I've seen film on him. I've studied his movements, how he bats, how he throws, how he approaches the game. He's a true professional, even though he's a rookie coming in. I love this guy, and I think you're 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've met a lot of people who definitely love Victor Victor Mesa for what he can do, and I think this was a great signing again for him, and I think that he does make the roster. Uh, Barry, I know you agree with me on that, that Victor Victor makes the roster, but, yeah, I just think it's a great signing. That I tell you what, he's not going to just make the roster – he is going to make the roster look fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like I I happen to think this guy is definitely a centerpiece to build around. 
And actually, the guy coming up next, batting six, is also, in my opinion, a great centerpiece of both rounds. I got batting six is Lewis Brinson, who's going to be playing center field. Lewis Brinson, of course, had a little bit of a down year last year, made a lot of adjustments, of course. And, you know, it's a different kind of a different landscape than we saw last year because Lewis Brinson was leading off for opening day for the Fish. Uh, opening day didn't do too well, but the, the second game of the series, he actually had four hits. Takes the fall down here. Nothing against him, of course. He just needs to work on some things. I do have him as my Miami Marlins breakout player of the year. Um, and I do think he's going to break out and be an all-star caliber player, in my opinion. Um, hopefully, I'm, hopefully he gets in. But I just think he's going to have an all-star caliber season. As Bruce Brinson will be batting sixth. He'll be working on some things down there in the lineup. And I just think that's a good spot for him. I'll tell you what, Nick, i got to disagree with you on this one. I have no confidence in uh, his bat. I'll tell you wow. the truth. I love the, way he, I love the way he plays the outfield, the way he approaches defensively, but he's got a lot to pick up as far as batting is concerned. I hope spring training teaches him the Marlins way, and I hope he becomes a contact hitter instead of a strikeout player. Uh, again, I disagree with you. I think he should, if he's going to start, he's going to be further down in the lineup. Well, there's only two more spots to go. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know Lewis Brinson has stuff to work on, but you should have a little confidence in that. I think Lewis Brinson definitely was working on it and really fixed, fixed up his bat. And I think that he potentially could be the face of the franchise down here. It was just a little help. But, you know, your opinion is your opinion. We will see in spring training, of course. Um, yeah, but moving on to the seventh hitter in the lineup, I got Neil Walker. And I had Neil Walker playing first base here. Uh, I like, I love Peter O'Brien, don't get me wrong, but I feel like Neil Walker is going to have this light edge over him due to him being a veteran, having, and of course, making more contact with the pitches. I think Neil Walker, he placed him first down in New York, up in New York for the Yankees, and I see him as our first baseman on the roster for now. And, you know, Walker would be a good veteran guy to have in the locker room. And batting eighth, finally, the place before the pitcher spot, I have shortstop J.T. Riddle. I had J.T. Riddle beating out Miguel Rojas for the starting shortstop job. I think it's going to be a very, very, very close battle between them two. Uh, both of them have a nice glove. Rojas, I think, has a little bit over Riddle with the glove, but I think Riddle's bat is going to turn out to be a very good uh, liability for him. I think he definitely worked on it uh, during the off season, and I think Riddle is going to beat out Rojas very slightly. I still have Rojas on here uh, on the bench, of course. I do think he, of course, will make the 25-man roster, but J.T. Riddle will be the starting shortstop for the Marlins and will bat eight. Barry, I want to get your thoughts about the, the 2019 projected lineup. Love the lineup except for Brinson. That's all I can say at this point. But I think it's time to move on to our next subject, and that is pitching. Yes, our starting rotation. The projected starting rotation for the Marlins. As you know, there's a lot of players on here, um, and we, we're just going to run through this quickly. We have less than five minutes before, of course, our guests come on here, so I'm just going to run through it. Uh, our ace will be Jose Urania. He will be the opening day starter. Uh, our second pitcher will be Dan Straley. So it's going to be kind of looking like last year with Straley and Urania are one and two. I see Straley is going to do it again. 
He's a great pitcher. Number three, I got Sandy Alcantara. He will be pitching third in the rotation, in my opinion. I think he's going to move up the ladders relatively quickly. And I think Alcantara is a great add to the team. And, of course, I think he's going to make the 25-man roster. And fourth, of course, we have Trevor Richards. Um, due to Pablo Lopez and Caleb Smith being still injured, I do not think they will be ready for opening day. So I have these two pitchers to come in and, of course, will be the starters. So Trevor Richards will be the number four starter. Saw a lot of shining from him from uh, back in last year. He played well. I saw a couple of sparks there by Richards, and I think that he definitely can go long innings. I think Richards definitely shocked us a lot, and I think Richards is just the guy you, you count on when you need a fill-in, and I think Richards is good, and he will be in the rotation. And number five, we will be having the returning Wee and Chen in the rotation. I think Wee and Chen, um, you know, he's definitely proven to do to me. Uh, I still think he's got a shot. He didn't do too bad in a couple games last year. He actually almost had a no-hitter, I believe, against the Mariners. I think that was two years ago, actually. But Wee and Chen definitely needs to show me, hey, I'm here to stay. Put me in the rotation. For now, he will be pitching in the fifth spot. Barry, what are your thoughts about that? I love your lineup there, but I want to move right into the bullpen. Uh, that's my favorite. Let's go, Nick. Tell them all about it. All right. All right. So I'm glad you agree with my rotation, but we're going to go jump right into the bullpen as we are limited on time here. Uh, Dom Adley said he didn't really have a closer. He wanted to do a matchup. But I've got Drew Steckenrider as the closer. I think he's going to be slotted in there. I have Sergio Romo as the setup man. And I have Adam Conley in there. And for the seventh inning, so we'll go seven, eight, nine. I got Conley, Romo, and Steckenrider. Um, Steckenrider. And I think this is definitely um, – no, I think it's definitely a great one, two, three here because, you know, people are not really looking at their bullpen. They're kind of overlooking it, in my opinion. But I think that's definitely a great um, addition there. But, again, we got Taylor yeah, Guerrero. And, 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 and don't, hey, mm-hmm. don't forget about the bench now. The bench is important. All right. Yeah, we're going to head right into the bench. I'll finish this list later. Uh, my opinion, we got Miguel Rojas, who will be the backup shortstop. Chad Wallace will make the team and be the backup catcher. Garrett Cooper, who is very versatile. He can play first base and outfield. He'll be on the bench. Peter O'Brien, as well, showed a lot of flashes last year, of course. And Martin Prado, it was upsetting to put him here on the bench, but I really didn't see anywhere to start him. But Martin Prado will be the last slot on the bench. Nick, I agree with you 100% on this one. And to tell you the truth, uh, other than the Brinson issue, we're pretty much in agreement. But as of this mm-hmm. point, we got to pay the bills, so it's on to a commercial break. <laughs> Hi, I'm Coy, one of the two hosts of FanCast. This week, we will be having a special NL East preview episode. It'll be a 90-minute segment where we'll be talking about all five NL East teams, including bringing in hosts of the Marlins Catch and Amazing Mets. We'll be breaking down predictions, the playoffs, implications in the division, and what Bryce Harper's decision could impact the NL East. Make sure to tune in. All right, guys, we are back here uh, from the break, and we are actually joined with our two special guests today. So we are just going to bring them on first. Here they come. Here comes the amazing – here comes the fan cast. My bad. Hey, guys, thanks for having us on. Hey, what's up, fan uh, so let me uh, let me get a first name here first. What's your first name? I'm Coy. And I'm Isaac. All right. 
All right, Coy and Isaac, glad to have you on here as we have our first ever NLE preview show. Uh, this is pretty, this is pretty crazy. To have you guys on here after the big trade with Real Muto, of course. Um, but yeah, let's just get into that. Um, I want to, I want to get to know you guys and your opinion about the Phillies. So let's just jump right into this. What you guys think the Phillies have, and what you do think that will happen this season? How you think they will play? How you think it's going to go on? Just uh, give you a prediction on what's going on with the Phillies. How you think they're going to do? Well, I mean, I think I can speak for Coy whenever I say that we're very excited. Obviously, we've had a big offseason, you know, changed up a lot of the key players, core players, uh, new shortstop, new left fielder with McCutcheon, and hoping to get a right fielder, obviously, with Harper. And obviously, acquiring the best catcher in the league in Real Muto. So, I mean, I- I'm pretty excited, and I think with one finishing piece here, hopefully coming somewhat soon, we, we have a good shot to win a division. Mm-hmm. And like speaking said, of Real Muto, yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, my bad. Like you said, we had a lot of off-season acquisitions. This was a team that was competing for the NL East in mid-August, and then just sort of seemed to fall off the cliff and just spiral downhill to even finishing under 500. Now with a lot of veteran leadership and more experienced players and at bats in the lineup, it definitely seems like these are the players that are able to take the Phillies the next step forward and potentially win the NL East. Hey, I've got a question for you guys, all right, concerning the Real Muto trade. Do you feel you gave up too much for Real Muto? Do you think you got a steal out of this deal? What are your thoughts? I wouldn't say it was a steal. I think that in the long run it will end up being a win for both sides. The Phillies are in a win-now situation and upgrading from a mid-20 level catcher to the best in baseball certainly helps their chase this year. And the Marlins did get our top pitching prospect, a very good young catcher. And so I think that both sides sort of came away with a even set. I do love the acquisition of Real Muto. It was tough to see Sanchez and Alfaro leave. But I think in the end it was a win-win for both clubs. Well, I think it was a win-win, but you got the slight edge out of this. And I'm a firm believer that the Marlins should have hung on for just a little bit more. Yeah, I can, uh, yeah. I can, I can see where he went with, where he, why you feel that way, um, especially him being the top player in his position. It seemed like the Marlins seemed to acquire all these guys, and if, if they had kept Yelich, kept Stanton, kept Ozuna, kept Real Muto, they'd have a pretty darn nice lineup. I agree with you yeah. on that. We had a great lineup. There's no doubt in my mind we had a great lineup. I felt that uh, the only person that really needed to go was Stanton, if we brought in pitching, we could have been a contender last year. But, hey, it's the Jeter way now. What can I say? Uh, hey, look, I wish the Phillies the best of luck with Real Muto. I hope he plays up to the standards that he set with the Marlins. He definitely yeah, is a great I player, and we're so. very excited to have him. Yeah, JT Real Muto definitely was tough to see go. Of course, he did not want to re-sign here with the Marlins in Miami. Uh, we just offered him two less. But actually, talking about Zico Sanchez, I want to get your opinion because you know we're not re- we're not relatively you know knowing what Zico could do. I- I've seen him on the prospect list. He's ranked number 27 to 2019 of MLB Pipeline. And I just want to ask you on what your opinion is about Zico Sanchez and that how well you think he's going to do and what his ceiling is. Well, I-, I don't I don't know if you're going to like my answer here, but 
I can tell you, Coy can tell you, even before all these rumors started heating up with Sanchez potentially being traded, I personally wasn't the biggest fan of him as a prospect, uh, just because of the major major injury and concerns like that. Yes, he obviously the upside is he could throw 100 with control um, and some good movement, but then the downside is that he's played at the, at the highest uh, A minor level and only had a few months of of really outstanding stats before he got injured. So that's that's my concern. I was I wasn't the biggest fan of Sixto Sanchez to be quite honest. Mm. Well, you know, he definitely does have a lot of upside. Uh well you guys are getting a day two on Muto definitely a lot. Uh he's definitely a franchise catcher and you guys are gonna love him. But anyway we're gonna jump right into this for my prediction on your rotation for the Phillies this year. Um so I'll just read them off to you guys and you could say your opinion right after I get through all five of them. I got your ace, of course, being Aaron Nola, two pitcher being Jake Arrieta. I got the number three pitcher being Nick Paveda, the fourth being Vince Velasquez, and fifth being Zach Eflin. So you just give me your opinion on that real quick. I like how that rotation fits right now, and I hope it does stay that way once we get to March 28th, an opening day, and that McClintock doesn't go out and overspend on an aging pitcher in Dallas Keuchel. I think the young talent we have in the pitching staff is enough to get along with the stacked lineup and very solid bullpen that we have right now. And I think that both Nick Pavetta, Vince Velasquez, and Zach Eflin all still have a ton of potential that can be developed into making them very solid middle-of-the-rotation guys. Obviously, Aaron Nola is a Cy Young candidate. We saw a breakout year from him last year. Jake Arrieta just recently came out that he pitched most of last season with an injury. It'll be interesting to see how he performs this year in his second season. But I like how our rotation sits right now. I think it is a good enough rotation to win the division. It just all depends on how the rest of this offseason unfolds and how the other four teams in the NL East play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I definitely looking at this rotation is absolutely is one of the best in my opinion in the NL East. Uh, of course, having Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta on top of the rotation is definitely a big, you know, it's definitely a big whoop there. As those two are definitely uh, great pitchers. Uh, moving on to the lineup here, I got I made the uh, of course the, um, the eight player lineup here because due to of course not being DH, but. So I'm going to go jump right into this one. I have leading off, I have Gene Segura playing shortstop. Uh, batting second, I got Azubo Herrera playing right field. Batting third, I have JT Real Muto playing catcher. Batting fourth, I have Reese Hoskins playing first base. Batting fifth, I have Nacal Franco playing third base. Batting sixth, I got Cesar Hernandez playing second. Batting seventh, I got Andrew McCutcheon playing left field. And batting eighth, I have Roman Quinn playing center. So yeah, what are your thoughts about that? Oh, you have you have Quinn over a double. I do. I actually have a double playing right field and the Cutchin playing left. That, that's where I we the Phillies actually prefer uh, Odubel defensively to Roman Quinn. I, I know it, it. I'm a little surprised by it too, just because I, I I see the upside of Roman Quinn's speed and you know quickness. I think he'd be a better defender than Odubel. But right now, um, they definitely prefer Odubel in the field, in the center field, to Roman Quinn, probably just because of experience. So, yeah, i probably not to flip those two. But also, I think I'm going to have to disagree with I think that they're going to give Nick Williams the start um, over Roman Quinn. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nick Williams, I definitely, uh, when the Phillies came down to Miami, I did watch him play. He actually was starting at Miami, and he seemed to hit the ball very well. I thought he was very um, very versatile as well. I think Nick Williams is a good player to have in the outfield. But, yeah, so Dubo Herrera at center. Um, no, I, I do like Dubo Herrera, too, on the Phillies. I think he's a great player. But, yeah, I like your idea there, of course. And I have a question for you. Who is your opinion to be the starting closer for the Phillies? Do you think it's Dominguez or, who do, or do you think it's Robertson? Who do you think it is? I think with Gabe Kapler's creative mindset and the fact that the Phillies don't have a bona fide closer at the moment, it'll all depend on matchup situations. I think that David Robertson will end the season with the most safe opportunities, but I could very easily see – uh, Robertson getting the call one night, Sir Anthony Dominguez a different, and then even Hector Neris the same, uh, another threat to close out games. I think this is a very versatile bullpen. It is a major X factor in how this season will unfold, but hopefully Gabe can match things up right to where it can be a very successful and people will be called out by their skill set and matchup scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, yeah. Go ahead. It'll, I think it, the Phillies are very much into analytics and matchups, and I think that you'll see this season, depending on who's up and who's due to bat, that the Phillies will institute uh, sort of a – if we don't sign Craig Kimbrell, then, then we'll institute sort of a partnership in the back end of the bullpen. And, of course, your number one prospect is Alex Boehm, I think, uh, at the time, yeah. Due to the, of course, the trade you guys did with the Marlins, can you give your thoughts about how Alex Bohm will do down in the uh, single A divisions right now? But do you think he's the future third base of the third baseman of the team, or do you think they're going to move somewhere else? What, what are your thoughts about him? Um, see, I, with Reese Hoskins, our franchise first baseman right now, it's hard for me to see them maybe experimenting for a bit in a while in the minor leagues. They might experiment by putting Bohm at first base, but Whenever you're that young, there's still time to improve your fielding skills. I don't, I don't think it's necessary at all to have to move him, move his position already. Uh, w- when you get to the major leagues and your hitting is already developed enough to be able to be in the majors and you want to be put in the lineup every day, uh, that's whenever you consider a position change, not, not in the minor leagues. You can't look that far ahead. How do you feel, Coy? I think that Boom definitely is a prospect with a ton of potential offensively, and once he reaches the major league level, he will show that he was a very good pick by the Phillies' front office. I think that he is our top prospect right now. And while the Phillies have moved a couple of prospects to acquire win-now talent, they still have a solid set in Mickey Moniak, Adonis Medina, Alec Boom, Adam Hazley, a bunch of good young guys that even once – as this core starts to shift out, we'll have a young set coming in that will keep this team competitive for many years to come. Cool. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the signing of Gene Segura coming to the Phillies. Uh, what are your thoughts about Gene Segura? And, of course, he's going to start a shortstop, in my opinion. I think everybody else um, could say that. But do you think they should have given Scott Kingery a shot, or do you think it was a good signing mm-hmm. in Gene Segura? I think that the Phillies' whole mindset this offseason was competing for beyond a division title in 2019. And I think the acquisition of Gene Segura just showed that in the same way acquiring JT Romito did. Gene Segura was a very underrated move by the Phillies. This is a 
300 hitter consistently, very good defensive shortstop to where Scott Kingery and J.P. Crawford struggled significantly. I don't think it's time to move on from Scott Kingery yet. He is still a very young player. I think we will see him take a step forward. But with a win-now team and a competitive mindset, you can't be testing around players when an opportunity to acquire a player like Gene Segura was available to the Phillies, and they took advantage of it. I completely agree with that. Uh, Scott Kingery, if he were to be instituted in the starting lineup at any time this year, it would be third base where uh, actually a, a third uh, competition for the third base starting spot is underway uh, for the Phillies between Michael Franco and Scott Kingery. So if there were to be any changes in the starting lineup, it would be at third base uh, as Gene Segura is very valuable as a contact-heavy hitter. All right, well, you know what? I'm excited to hear about your bench, so tell us about it. Uh, yes, our bench. That is most definitely one of our weak spots. <laughs> if um, if if you take out uh, Michael Franco or Scott Kingery, either one of those would be on the bench. If we get Bryce Harper, then Roman Quinn and Nick Williams will most likely be on the bench. Um, our backup catcher is there will be a battle for that position as well. Most likely it will be Andrew Knapp. We also signed Drew Batera. If you recognize that name, he's a former Royal. So uh, any, any other bench pieces I'm missing, Corey? I don't think you missed any significant bats or gloves in the in the bench. I think it's a very versatile group, and it will all depend on how Gap, Kapler decides to shift them around and which roles he uses them in. I think just like our bullpen, it will be a – bench by call and we'll see how Kapler matches up certain scenarios and games. So I think it'll all depend on how Kapler uses this bullpen and bench to see how Phillies will win close games. All right, and uh, one more item, the X factor. Can you break it down in 30 seconds? The X factor I think right now would be the bullpen. I think it all depends on how our arms in the back end pan out. We had a tough time closing out games last year. Sir Anthony Dominguez looked like he was going to be the closer for a bit, but couldn't go on back-to-back nights, and it ended up costing us a couple games. bunch of leads we had early on that were blown by the bullpen. So I think that's a major X factor. And the other one being if we do sign Bryce Harper, and if we do, he will definitely be a top-notch talent in the Phillies organization. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, definitely great stuff there. Will the Phillies get Bryce Harper as they put in a nice bid for him and visit him a lot of times? Uh, definitely will be scary if he does come to the NL East. I'm hoping for the Marlins' sake he does stay out of the NL East, but you guys definitely have a very good shot at getting him. I'd like to thank you guys so much for coming on tonight. Uh, it was great to talk to you guys and kind of pick the, gra- pick the brains of Phillies fans over here and what they're trying to do, and it was great having you guys on tonight. All right, thanks for having us. All right, take care. It's time for a commercial break, don't you think, Dick? I think so. Um, Commercial break coming up right right now. Hello, everyone. My name is Eamon, and I'm one of the hosts at Pinstripe Talk. On Wednesday, February 20th at 6 o'clock, we will be analyzing the whole AL East, from player stat predictions to team record predictions and giving our take on who can make something happen in this year's postseason. All this and more on this week's episode of Pinstripe Talk. All right, guys, we are back. That was just a uh, fan cast that was just on here. Great guys. Definitely talked to you. Definitely knew a lot about the Phillies as what they are trying to do here and if, we'll, if they will get uh, Bryce Harper. 
But anyway, we are going to be joined here next by our New York Mets um, representative. We are joined here by Jake. Jake, come on on. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up, Jake? Great how's to going? have you on the uh, line with us, my friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And we are going to just jump right into this, Jake. Uh, I made uh, a projected lineup for the New York Mets uh, this season. Uh, that would definitely a lot of signings this off season, of course, and they definitely have a lot to come into the season as they will definitely be at the top of the division. So I'm just going to jump right into this one. I have leading off, of course, uh, you could Jake, you could tell me right after uh, your opinion after I say the lineup and everything else. But uh, of course, I got leading in. I got Brandon Nimmo playing right field. I got batting second. I have Jed Laurie playing second base. Batting third, I have Robinson Cano playing first base. Batting fourth, I have Michael Conforto playing left field. Batting fifth, I have Wilson Ramos playing catcher. Batting sixth, I have Todd Frazier playing third base. Batting seventh, I have Juan Lagares playing center. And batting eighth, I have Abed Rosario playing shortstop. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like um, a few of those positions, I would do a little bit of editing. Um, just from what we've heard so far coming out of camp. Um, I know for sure that McNeil will be starting opening day um, Mm -hmm. in left field, uh, along with Conforto in center. Uh, Actually, Conforto in right field and then Nimmo in center. Uh, They confirmed a few days ago that Conforto is going to be playing most of spring training in right field and try and get as many reps there as possible, um, and then try and get McNeil as many reps in left field after the um, acquisition of Cano, who, again, another uh, edit I'd give you is him sliding to second and then actually Frazier taking first base um, to start off the season, uh, along with Alonzo coming up, which a lot of people are super excited about. And then once Alonzo gets there after the first two weeks, then he'll probably take over the starting role unless uh, we have – a few other pieces that uh, are in are in the mix to take that starting role. Mm-hmm. And I do actually have Alonzo and McNeil, of course, actually on the bench instead. So I'm mm-hmm. actually going to read you the bench here. I got Todd Frazier. I got Alonzo. I got Keon Broxton. I got McNeil, Dominic Smith, and J.D. Davis. What are you talking about that? Yeah, uh, I mean, that sort of seems like our core bench. There's a few... What I like about what uh, Brody Van Wagner has done this offseason is he's gotten a lot of depth pieces. He's sort of spread out the money very well. Uh, obviously, we didn't go over after big guys like uh, the Phillies are with, with Machado in their talks, uh, with Harper in their talks, with getting Rio Muto. Obviously, we didn't go after those big names, but we sort of dispersed the money over a lot of very needed positions as well as a lot of depth. So there's guys like Rajah Davis, which I don't know if he's going to become um, a major part of this team, but guys like Rajah Davis, guys like Hechevarria, which we signed yesterday, who's an amazing defensive shortstop and has been a part of the, has been a part of major league baseball for a long time. And a lot of guys like, like those two who could take that, uh, some of those bench roles as, the goal is that we have a more concise, dominant bullpen and a longer bench as the past few seasons. There's been games where 
we have a one or two man bench and, and that just can't happen anymore. And going to Hetcheveria, of course, former Marlin in Hetcheveria actually uh, was here for years and was a great defensive player for us. Unfortunately, couldn't really get the back going, but I definitely think he did make a lot of adjustments in New York, and I do love the signing of Danny Hetcheveria. He's going to be back in Miami a lot because, of course, the Mets in the division. Uh, I do think that was a great signing. Barry, what are your thoughts about the Mets lineup and bench coming into the season? Hey, they're going to be a foe to contend with. That's just the way it is. Again, rebuilding Marlins, more of an established Mets team. Uh, They're going to be in the uh, playoff chase, there's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, coming into this year, I feel like uh, a lot of NL East competitors are looking, are sort of overlooking what we've done so far just because of, like I was saying earlier, we dispersed the money very heavily. Um, and and that seems to be overlooked because of all the big additions like Donaldson to the Braves or um, Rio Muto to to the Phillies. I feel like and Corbin to the Nationals. I feel like we don't really have that one name. I mean, the only guy that I can think of is Cano, but he's sort of towards the end of his for the end towards the end of his career, and we'll probably get maybe two or three good years out of him. Um, but yeah, I feel like we. I appreciate you recognizing that. We, we should be in at least a, a competitive position this year. Hey, look, the amazing Mets. Nobody knew who they were, and they won a World Series. It can happen again. You never know. Exactly. And, of course, another promising player is Edwin Diaz, who, of course, is the closer. But we will get into that right after I get uh, through the projected starting rotation for the New York Mets. I have as their ace, Jacob DeGrom. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is the number two. Zach Wheeler as the number three. Steven Matt is your number four. And Jason Vargas as your number five. Yeah, I'm going to give you a five out of five on that one. I, uh, they confirmed the other day that Vargas will be taking that fifth role, and I think that's the only one that would sort of waver a little bit. But um, either way, it looks like Corey Oswalt will either be down in AAA to start the year or he'll be a part of our bullpen. So, yeah, I'm going to give you a five out of five on that one. All right, at least we're on track with that one, right? <laughs> uh, Perfect. But, but, yeah. So I'm actually going to the bullpen here. Uh, of course, the closer, Edwin Diaz, who I'm a huge fan of, having only a 196 ERA last year with 57 saves is very impressive, and he's only 24 years old. Like, this guy goes very hard. I think this is definitely the best player out of the Robinson Cano deal, of course. I think Diaz is, a, is like a franchise closer for you guys if you can hold on to him. But, yeah, I got Diaz there. I got Hedrus, Familia, Seth Lugo, Jim Wilson, Luis Avalon, if I'm saying it right, Robert DeZellman, yeah. of course, and, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, yeah, Robert DeZellman. That's, a, that's essentially the core. But I feel like, again, another part of the team that's been super, super overlooked is, is our young bullpen guys that came at the end of last year and obviously a year that, should be overlooked in the record books. But, um, yeah, there was a lot of guys that came up last year at the end of the year that uh, impressed me personally. I think specifically guys like Tyler Bachelor, guys like Drew Smith, uh, Daniel Zamora, Tim Peterson, Paul Seawald, who, who was uh, probably our rookie of the year the prior to the prior season to last, um, who had an off year. I feel like he's going to be a big part of this bullpen coming up. And, of course, Jacob Ram. 
all guys that seem to be a part of uh, the assembling of the team that we had after that 2016 season. So it seems like they're going to be coming back and, and paying forth whatever, whatever that, that, uh, that come down from the 2015 high um, really was. So I feel like they're going to be a part of the big part of the bullpen and maybe a big part of the future rotation. Yeah, I think the Mets definitely have a lot of young players. Uh, before I get into the X-Factors, of course, I want to ask about Ahmed Rosario. Uh, of course, the Marlins and Mets were kind of close on making a trade for JT Real Muto, but it didn't fall through as Miami was asking for a little too much. But one guy I was really eyeing was Ahmed Rosario. And he, of course, everyone's saying that he's going to be batting uh, down the lineup, maybe eighth or ninth, but he definitely has a ton of promise. Can I get your, um, guys get your thoughts on how Ahmed Rosario fares coming into 2019? Yeah, uh, speaking on the um, batting at the end, uh, Mickey Calloway sort of was quoted, uh, I think, in the middle of last season or towards the end of last season um, about Rosario hitting that low, uh, and that's sort of a result of Nemo being so good. In, in the position that he was. So either Nimmo or McNeil in the in the leadoff and then Nimmo or McNeil in the second spot. seems like that that's sort of the, the easier way to go about it. But that last spot, taking up the ninth spot and then having a pitcher go eighth is sort of like having another leadoff hitter. Essentially, once you get through the lineup once, you're, you're essentially looking at Rosario, McNeil, Nimmo, or Rosario, Nimmo, McNeil, which is – a bet I'll take any time once I get to the third or fourth or fifth inning. Um, so I feel like that's sort of the reason he's all the way down there. And to build off that, I think he's probably, other than other than Nimmo and McNeil and Alonzo and Conforto, I feel like he's sort of the heart of um, what this sort of homegrown kind of, uh, the, the homegrown feeling that we're trying to put forth. I, I think, his second half last year was amazing. I mean, he hit 300. He he was starting to hit the breaking pitch much easier. Um, and I think that's really what he struggled on in the first half, and that's why his numbers suffered. But otherwise, I feel like Rosario is going to be a big part of this team next uh, next year, whether or not he's hitting ninth or whether or not he's, he makes his way all the way up to the first spot. Yeah, I definitely am a big fan of Ahmed Rosario. And I just want to ask you what your X-Factors are coming into this season for the New York Mets. Okay, so I have I have a little bit of a long list because I, I feel like this year, <laughs> obviously, there's a lot of moving parts to this team. I think it's very comparable to the 2014-2015 Royals. Really hit on every single cylinder. Every player did their part. And I feel like if we're going to be a competitive team this year. Every player has to do exactly what they're told and uh, overachieve. So I feel like some of the X factors are Conforto coming back to himself. I mean, last year he he missed the first month along with spring training, um, and he was the first person at camp this year. So I think he's going to be a huge part of um, this competitive year. I think Cespedes coming back on time. He expects to resume baseball activities within a week and a half, um, which would project him all the way to maybe even a little bit before the All-Star break. So as long as he's coming back on time, 
he's going to be one of the forces that we need to continue to roll forward. Uh, Wheeler and Matt need to con- uh, need to continue their success. Uh, Matt ended the year pretty well last year. Wheeler obviously had an amazing second half and a decent um, to, to good first half. So as long as they continue, uh, I, I feel like Vargas can continue to be as horrible as he was anyway. Um, the Ramos-Darno sort of tandem right there that they both need to stay as healthy as possible as both of them have proven that they're injury-prone. Um, and I think having both of them is, is a big part of what Brody is, was trying to do with this whole entire, like, everyone needs to be playing their part to really good catchers. Is, I mean, obviously, Darno has had his hardships, and uh, I, I believe that he's an, an amazing catcher still. Um and then lastly, of course, Rosario needs to needs to pull through and have that second half all year next year. And as I was talking about earlier, the bullpen pieces, um, such as Wilson, such as Avalon, who is under a minor league contract right now, um, and such as the guys that I listed earlier, they all need to be hitting on all cylinders so that Diaz, Familia, Lugo um, are not pitching every single night because that that's towards the end last year, that's, that's where we got hit hard is that our bullpen was pitching every night and there was no time to rest. So as long as they hit on all cylinders, then I feel like this year is going to be a big year for the New York Mets. Yeah, definitely a lot of promise for the New York Mets. Uh, of course, they are contending this season, in my opinion, and, and everybody else's opinion, especially with the trade. And, of course, them giving away Jared Kellenick. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Mets are definitely contenders. Uh, Jake, I'd like to thank you for coming on tonight. Uh, great having great having a conversation with you, talking about the New York Mets and about the upcoming season. Of course, the NL East is a very stacked division this season. But, yeah, Jake, I would just like to thank you for taking the time out of your night here to join us in the Marlins Sketch Podcast. Of course, and I'm excited to have you guys on. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to join yours. Uh, all right, Jake, have a good night. All right, you too. Bye-bye. And, Bye-bye. again, it's time for a commercial break. Hey, it's John from the Amazing Mets podcast of the Baseball Podcast Network. I am here to tell you to join our podcast on Thursday. Tune in. It'll be at 7 p.m. It will run an hour and 30 minutes. We will talk about many of the spring training news going on right now, including Jacob deGrom's continued contract negotiations, the return of T.J. Rivera from Tommy John surgery, Robinson Cano arriving to spring training and using David Wright's old locker. David Wright will never be replaced, and Robinson Cano knows that. Robinson Cano is going to try and emulate what David Wright has meant to this team for so long. All that and much more Thursday, 7 p.m., Please join us. Thank you. All right. We are back from break, and we will be actually on um, Thursday night, 730, on the podcast. But anyway, we are back here on the Marlins Catch, and this is tonight. So we are going to actually, before getting to our next topic here, I just want to let you guys know to head over to blogtalkradio.com and make sure to head over to the Marlins Catch merch, as there is a custom design of Lewis Brinson saying the hometown kid on there. You guys definitely want to check that out. I actually have a shirt for myself. So head over to blogtalkradio.com. It's a really, really nice shirt. I wear it a lot. 
the hometown kid, Lewis Brinson shirts, definitely check it out. Definitely a great shirt to get. But, uh, Barry, I haven't heard from you in a little bit. Uh, I just want to get to yeah, a topic that you really want to get into is pitchers catchers report recently just passed. I know you have a list of uh, players here you want to look at for pitchers catchers report and, of course, some training starting as both the pitchers and the hitters and the catchers, of course, started. And they're all there now. They're now all practicing and working out together. Barry, I want to get your uh, thoughts on who we should eye coming into spring training. Who should we take an eye on? Well, we've got a lot. You got Dan Straley. You got uh, you got uh, uh, Sandy Alcantara, and we know it's Sandy Alcantara because we spoke to a few Marlins at Fancast or Fan, Fan Fest, and they all said Alcantara. So we got it right. It is Alcantara. Uh, we've got good pitching coming in. I love the way they're building their rotation here. You're going to see some wonderful things coming out of this. Uh, don't forget to look at the promising Caleb Smith, who came in on the Stanton deal. Uh, Sixto Sanchez, the Phillies' number one prospect. I think you're going to see him on, on the major league roster when they expand it out to 40 at the end of the year. So, yes, Marlins have some bright spots there. Uh, I think uh, the pitching staff is going to be better than you think. And the Marlins fans, you have a lot to be optimistic for as far as the Marlins pitching staff is concerned. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of promise for the Marlins. Uh, in my opinion, I do not think Tito Sanchez will be on the rotation anytime soon. I think he's definitely got a long way to go down in single A. Sorry about the break there, guys. Other legs will malfunction, just to let you guys know. But in my opinion, going back to Sandy Alcantara, by the way, uh, we did actually ask Lewis Brinson. We actually went to Lewis Brinson. I actually asked him, hey, how do you pronounce his name? Is it Alcantara or is it Alcantara? And he actually told me, he said, hey, I think it's Sandy Alcantara. So, of course, Lewis Brinson is in the, uh, the dugout with Sandy, so I'm pretty sure we got it right on that. But, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to spring training. Definitely a lot of players reporting. Uh, Lewis Brinson is the future of the team. Monte Harrison uh, trying to get a roster spot as well. Victor Victor Mesa trying to get a roster spot as well, and I do think they all have a lot of a lot of chances to make the roster, definitely. Uh, Barry, I want to get your thoughts. Actually, no, before we get into that, uh, I just want to let you know that we will be previewing the Braves very, very, very soon. But before we get into that, actually, we'll be doing it next. Barry, I want to get your thoughts on one more player, and that is, of course, the returning Wee and Chen. Let me just get your thoughts about that really quick, and we're going to dive right into the Atlanta Braves. I want to hold that until after we talk about the Braves. So let's move on to the Braves, and I'll give you my opinion shortly. Okay. All right. I guess we're going to jump right into the Atlanta Braves here. Um, of course, the other team here in the NL East, and we will be covering the Washington Nationals right after that. But the Atlanta Braves coming in here, in my opinion, definitely have a very, very strong lineup. They are definitely going to be World Series contenders, in my opinion. They have a very, very young and very talented roster. Of course, in Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies. But we're going to jump right into the rotation for the Atlanta Braves. As the ace here for the Atlanta Braves, I have Mike Fulton Hewitt. I have Sean Newcomb, Kevin Gosman, Chuki Tosant, who, is a, of course, was in the farm system last year, and Julio Tehran. 
Now, that rotation, I think, is a little misjudged. I think it's very overlooked, that rotation for the Atlanta Braves. I don't think it's very, you know, I mean, it's not very eye-popping, but there are a lot of young studs in there, especially, you know, you got that, you got Tukey Totes, I think that's his name. I don't know how to pronounce that, but I think that's his name. And, of course, Sean Newcomb, in my opinion, is a very, very talented uh, player. I know Barry had him on his fantasy team last year. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's a very strong rotation for the Atlanta Braves. I think there's a lot of promise for them over there. If you're a Braves fan, you're very, you know, you're excited about them. But, of course, the fans around the league are more looking to your lineup, which I am going to get into next. I have the leading off. I have Ender and Tiarte starting in center. I got Josh Donaldson playing third base, batting second. Freddie Freeman batting, for, uh, batting third, playing first. Ronald Acuna Jr., Batting fourth, playing left field. And, of course, batting fifth, I have Nick Markakis playing right. Batting sixth, I have Brian McCann playing catcher. Batting seventh, Ozzy Albies playing, playing second base. And batting eighth, I have Danzy Swanson playing shortstop. Now, that lineup there, Barry, I'll let you get into your opinion about that lineup in a second here. But I just want to express my opinion about it is that that is a, one of the best lineups in the league. Of course, I wish I I think I should have put Ozzy Albies up a little higher, but it was just so stacked. I don't know if I sh- I could have. Danzy Swanson as well. It's just a very very young lineup, in which I love having a young lineup. I think that lineup is full of young studs. Barry, what are your thoughts about the Braves lineup? I love their lineup. I tend to agree with you on mostly everything. Uh, the one thing I don't like, well, I do like and I don't like is McCann. McCann is a very very good catcher. Defensively, he's one of the better catchers in the league. Offensively, he uh, he hovers around the Mendoza line most of the season. I think he ended up batting around 230, 235 last year. So uh, not too sure about the catching situation there other than defensively, but I agree with you on everything else. And, of course, remember the Braves were serious contenders for J.T. Real Muto, and, you know, they settled with, Brian McCann, of course, he had Tyler, Tyler Flowers there as well, headed right to the bench. They had Yohan Camargo, Ben Riley, Adam Duvall, and Tyler Flowers on my list. I mean, I do recall that the Marlins were asking for Yohan Camargo and I think Austin Riley and more. Uh, the Braves would only offer Austin Riley and not much else after that, which I saw for Real Muto, but they settled with, uh, of course, Brian McCann. But they definitely have a nice bench as well. And remember, all these guys here, of course, Brian McCann is and Adam Duvall has an age on him. But, of course, except for the catching situation here, and, of course, Nick Markakis and, and, and the Ender and Ciarte, of course, they actually have a very, very young lineup. And this is the kind of lineup I want the Marlins to have, and I'm very excited that the Marlins are going to have this lineup in the future due to them rebuilding. And I just think this is a great lineup for the Braves, and the Braves are going to be World Series contenders. Barry, I know you want to jump right into the next topic here, so we're going to go into that direction. Or if you're there. Barry, you there? All right. Well, it looks like he's not there, but... I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. Can uh, you not uh, hear me? No, no, we're, we're here now. Go ahead. Yeah, okay, Nick, go ahead and take it. You're the best at this. You got it down pat, buddy. All right. So, I know you wanted to... I know you um, had their bullpen set down, but I'm actually going to just... Go in here and, uh, you know, read you the bullpen here. In my opinion, I do think that their closer is going to be, I don't, it's hard to say his first name, Arodis Visciano. 
Uh, he's, been, he's been reliever there for years. I think he's going to get the job again. Of course, with uh, A.J. Minter there being there as well, um, he's definitely going to have a job there. But I also got Chad Sobatoka. I got him. I got Johnny Ventures. I have Jesse Biddle. And I have Dan Winkler. Uh, this bullpen here, I was looking at them the other day, and you look at them, and they're, they're pretty solid. You don't, you don't even see the ERA over three, and that's definitely solid to look at for the Braves. Of course, the Braves, you look at their lineup and everything, you, no one looks at their pitching as much as their lineup, and, of course, the farm system, because they, the, they have a top-five farm system in the league. So the Braves definitely have a definite solid team. Their bullpen is solid as well. They have a very good bullpen. Um, but, yeah, and we're going to get into the X factors for the Atlanta Braves this season, what they need to do. And uh, I'm just going to jump right into it. The X factors for the Braves is to make sure all their players are healthy, and including Josh Donaldson, make sure he's ready to go. Uh, definitely a big signing this offseason. Another X factor is that Ronald Acuna Jr. is, is up to par. He plays as well as he did last year. We don't see a sophomore slump because usually second-year guys aren't as good as first year. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they aren't as well. And, of course, uh, Acuna and Urania, hopefully they don't really see each other too much <laughs> um, this season. Uh, we definitely know what happened last time. Barry, do you have another X factor for the Braves and how they need to uh, compete in this year? Nick, you've covered it all, my friend. You've really got your bases covered here. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's your X factors, and of course we're going to get into the Braves farm system. They have, like I said before, they have the best farm system in the league, in my opinion. Um, definitely the White Sox are up there as well. But talking about a promising prospect on the rise is Mike Soroka, who last in the MLB went two and one with a 3.51 ERA and 21 strikeouts. I think this guy is their future ace. Uh, and Soroka is 21 years old, 6'5", 225. Uh, Soroka definitely has what it takes to be a starter in this league. He has a great fastball. He has great control as well. And I just think Soroka is a great promising prospect for the Braves on the rise. Another one, actually, is, of course, your third baseman, Austin Riley, who Miami tried to get. Now, unfortunately, they wouldn't give us much after that. Um, and, of course... Austin Riley definitely has what it takes to be a starting third baseman in this league. In AAA, he actually got a 282 with a total of 12 homers and 47 RBIs. Um, And, yeah, so I do think um, Austin Riley has what it takes to be a starting third baseman in this league, and he is definitely a promising prospect on the rise. And, yeah, so, Barry, you want to get into the next topic here? Cool. Well, before we get into the next topic, seeing that we're about a minute out from a commercial break, let's talk about Wee-In Chen, because I said I was going to say it. Wee-In Chen, uh, disappointment so far. Uh, he's got a big contract. He's got uh, got a lot to prove this year. Uh, I got my doubts about Wee-In Chen. One minute he's hot, one minute he's cold. It's just as simple as that, and that's my personal opinion on Wee-In Chen. But it's now time for a commercial break. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, everybody. This is Blake here with the Rattle Up podcast, a podcast all about the Arizona Diamondbacks. This week, we will preview the National League West Division and go over each team, how their offseason has gone, including trades, 
in trades and signings and predict who will be the MVP, Cy Young, Silver Slugger, Rookie of the Year, Delivery Man of the Year, and Comeback Player of the Year for each team, including the Giants, Padres, Dodgers, Rockies, and D-backs. We will also predict the MLB Awards, Playoff Picture, and World Series Eventual Champion. All that and much more on the 90-Minute NLS Preview Show, this Friday, 10 Eastern Time, 8 Mountain Time. That's 10 Eastern Time, 8 Mountain Time. See you there. All right, guys, we are back from break. The NLE preview show will be there, too, uh, doing both the Phillies and the Mets, uh, and joining their podcast this week. Very, very excited to go on with them and, of course, um, tell them our opinions about the roster tomorrow. Uh, normally, you'd be done by now. It's uh, one hour in, but this is actually an extended episode, which is very pretty exciting. But, yeah, uh, we're going to jump right into the next topic here, and that is the Washington Nationals. Uh, we're going to talk about them coming this year. Of course, Harper leaving. Uh, but, yeah, we're just going to jump right into them. Barry, I'll just read the lineup, and then we'll just do what we usually been doing, as you'll be saying your opinion right after. My projected lineup for the Nationals is starting at shortstop, batting first, Trey Turner. Batting second, playing right field, Adam Eaton. Batting third, playing third base, Adam Rendon, uh, Anthony Rendon. Batting fourth, playing left field is Juan Soto. Batting fifth, playing first base is Ryan Zimmerman. Batting sixth is the newly acquired catcher for them, Kurt Suzuki, playing catcher. Batting seventh, of course, is Victor Robles, center fielder, which I'll be talking about him right after this. And batting eighth is Howie Kendrick, playing second base. And going back to Victor Robles, who's also a piece Miami wanted in the trade for JT Real Muto, but of course we didn't land him, but he is actually a great center fielder. I was watching him very, very fast. I wanted him on the roster, but again, we have so many outfielders in depth here for the Fish that we really didn't need him at the time. Barry, what are your thoughts about the Nationals lineup coming into this season? Oh, strong, strong, and stronger. That's all I got to say. Strong, strong, and stronger. They're going to end up fighting uh, the Phillies for the top position. You know, their lineup is fantastic. Their pitching, led by Max Scherzer, and we're going to talk about that shortly, uh, is fantastic. As a matter of fact, I'm a, a big fantasy baseball player, and my number one draft pick this year will be Max Scherzer. And uh, look out, they're coming. Yeah, uh, my opinion, the Braves are going to be on top of the division, but we will be getting into that um, later, actually. That's one of our other topics of the day is uh, the uh, playoff predictions and the NLE standing predictions. But we will be getting that to that shortly. And, of course, uh, going into the rotation for the Washington Nationals. Before I do that, Barry, let me ask you really quick, do you think Harper leaving will affect them dramatically, or do you think it won't affect them that much? I think it's going to be a positive effect because players are going to have to stand up and take uh, take his place. Somebody's going to prove himself and become the leader of that team. So, yes, it is a very, very positive effect on the Nationals, uh, and the, the, the National fans will reap the benefits. Wow. All right. I was thinking Harper would be a loss in that situation, but, again, you are right about that. Going into the rotation, you have the ace, Max Scherzer. Second pitcher, I have Steven Strasburg. And, of course, people are going to uh, get mad at me about this. But I got Corbin, Patrick Corbin, as the third pitcher. People will flip-flop them, in my opinion. I think Strasburg is the better pitcher. 
I think Corbin's going to go down and have a little bit of a defensive season. But the fourth pitcher, Anibal Sanchez, and the fifth pitcher, Tanner Rowark. Uh, this rotation actually is pretty solid, in my opinion. I was looking, I was thinking about the Nationals rotation earlier. And I was like, yeah, this doesn't really look like too hot. I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, thank you, Dad. So, yeah, the Nationals have a nice rotation. Barry, what are your thoughts about the Nationals rotation, of course, being Scherzer? Did I hear anything about Corbin. a former Marlin in there? Did, did we hear a former Marlin someplace? Uh, you did, and my on uh, my opinion, um, no, my fault, guys. Tanner Rowark is actually on the Reds. That's <laughs> my fault. I made this a uh, couple uh, weeks ago. It's my fault. Tanner Rowark is not going to be in that rotation. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but, yeah, former Marlin is Anibal Sanchez. Um, yeah, he was a former Marlin for us. I think he's very, you know, he's a solid player. He's on the Tigers, of course. And But, yeah, Barry, what do you thoughts about the, the, the one, two, and three being Scherzer? Strasburg and Corbin, like you think that's that's very solid in my opinion. But what is your thoughts about that? All right, well I'm going to use my fantasy point of view from fantasy baseball. Uh, Scherzer, Corbin, and then uh, the number two player that you mentioned, Strasburg. Okay, reason why I say Strasburg, he's a good pitcher. Yes, he is a, a very good pitcher. But I had him on my team last year. One minute hot, one minute cold. One minute hot, one minute cold. And uh, he's got to break the cycle. He's got to show more consistency. And that's just my opinion. In my opinion, yeah, yeah. And you are right about that. And for the fifth spot, actually, I do think it's going to be a competition. Of course, Tanner Roark is not on Nationals. That is my fault. I think it will be a competition between Jeremy Hellickson, Joe Ross, and Eric Fidei. I think it will be a competition for the five spot. In my opinion, Hellickson will win the job due to him being a fantastic starter when, of course, he's in the Phillies. But the trade didn't really work in his favor. But, yeah, the Nationals have a pretty decent roster, in my opinion. Uh, going to their bullpen, uh, of course, yeah, going to their bullpen, I think the Nationals definitely have an upside. I think Sean Doolittle will be the starting closer for the Washington Nationals. I think that he has it, what it takes. Trevor Rosenthal, another starter in that – not star reliever in that bullpen – uh, I heard the Marlins signed him, and then they cut him right after. Uh, kind of a bizarre situation with Trevor Rosenthal, as he was, of course, going to play for the Marlins until you know, he did have Tommy John surgery, unfortunately, for him. But he is back and ready to go. And of course, the third pitcher, a very familiar face, Barry, um, in my opinion, is Kyle Bearclaw, the former Marlins. Oh my um, God, the man, the Kyle, the Claw, love him. Love him. Too bad he's still not on the Marlins. But let me go backwards just a little bit. Doolittle. He's unbelievable. He's a lights-out pitcher. I had him on my fantasy team last year. Man, he got me points galore. That's a guy that you want to have on your fantasy team. That's a guy that's going to make uh, the Nationals fans proud. Yeah, everything goes with fantasy, Barry. I know you love fantasy so much, but it's kind of a good uh, way to speculate all the players and see how they do. Uh, the rest of the bullpen, of course, I have Justin Miller for the Nationals in the bullpen, Matt Grace, Coda Glover, and Sammy Solis. Um, yeah, the rest of the bullpen. Bullpen looks pretty solid, too, especially Kyle Barrett, a very underrated move as well. Was a little inconsistent last year, but got off to a great start with the fish. I love Kyle Barrett, I always have. I think he's a great player to have. I think Kyle Barrett is going to do good things for, of course, the Nationals. And the Nationals do have a decent roster, in my opinion. 
And I'm going to go back and make a change here due to the signing. Uh, batting eighth will not be Holly Kendrick. That will be Brian Dozier. Um, you know, definitely making this uh, lineup a while ago definitely uh, impacted those because they signed Brian Dozier. And I feel like Dozier is, you know, is a great player to have as well, especially when he was on the Twins. Very, very solid player. So Brian Dozier will be batting. He's playing second base, of course, instead of Howie Kendrick. And I'm going right into the bench here. In the bench, I got Howie Kendrick, Michael Taylor, Wilmer Defoe. That's his name. Yeah, Wilmer Defoe, uh, Matt Adams, and Jan Gomes uh, in the bench for the Nationals. But in my opinion, the Nationals are not going to be able to conquer the Phillies and the Braves. I think the Nationals will be in the bottom half of the division. Um uh, of the, of course, of the NL East, and I just don't see the Nationals having that big roster to take over those three teams. We are going to get into the X, X factors now for the Washington Nationals. Uh, Barry, I want to get your X factors here. <laughs> I know you've been kind of shying away from this a little bit, but let's get what what ways do you, what do you think the Nationals have to do to to win games in the NL East? Pitching, 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 and more pitching supplemented by hitting. Uh, the Nationals will be a player. There is no doubt. They got the, they got the uh, starting pitching that compete, can compete with anybody in the NL East. Uh, they got, they've got the batting uh, there. Somebody's going to step up as far as bat, uh, the uh, batting is concerned, as I said before, to take the place of Harper, and uh, it's all good. No doubt in my mind, and I know you think I'm a little off base here, but that's okay. We're all allowed to have our opinions here. I think the Nationals are going to be a team to contend with. Don't be surprised in the last few weeks of the season if you see teams within one game, one and a half games, two games of first place in the NL East, and the Nationals will be there. Wow, seems very confident in the Washington Nationals here. I thought we were rivals with these guys. Come on. Hey, I can't help myself. You know, i got to say it the way it is, at least in my opinion. Now, come next year, come the year after, Marlins, baby. Go, Marlins, go. They're going to be in the mix. But right now, we got to be realistic, and we got to speak it the way it is. The Nationals will be in the mix. Mm-hmm. And, of course, going into the top prospects, who will make an impact very, very soon on the main roster. And I'm going to jump right into this. Of course, it's the main man, Victor Robles, who is the fourth-ranked prospect in Major League Baseball in the MLB.com pipeline. Uh, Victor Robles has tremendous speed. He has a tremendous arm and can feel the ball very well. His hitting is great, too. He's not necessarily a great power hitter, but it's definitely going to come in time. But he could hit the ball well. Very, very fast player, in my opinion. I mean, everybody's opinion. Robles is he's speedy. He's definitely, he's definitely, I he always say this about a lot of players, but he definitely is the future. I mean, Washington, um, a lot of these prospects don't turn out, remember that. Uh, so you never know at this point, but I do think that the Robles has the tools to make himself a top player in the Washington, in Washington and in the MLB. Of course, Carter Tyboon was on the rise. I'll go ahead, there. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I call him Mr. Clutch. He wasn't on my fantasy team last year, but I'll tell you what, he hurt me along the way, and it always seems like he was the guy in the end, if I was to lose a game, he was the one in the end that hurt me. Mr. Clutch, Mm -hmm. that's it. 
yeah, you know, definitely only playing 21 games last year and 59 at bats. He definitely came in, put up a 288 average. So, of course, he definitely hurts you down the line. I think I had him on my roster, Barry, when I was playing you, because I think we were down toward the end of the season where I had him in my lineup and he was playing very well for me. So, definitely, um, Victor Robles is definitely a great guy to, of course, have on your roster. If he's a Nationals, I'm very, very excited to have him. And the last player here for the Nationals is Carter Kiboom, or Kiboom. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, I think Kiboom is a future shortstop. I think that he's going to settle right there. I wanted the Marlins to get him from, for Real Muto, of course. I thought they were going to make a trade happen for him. Uh, never did. It didn't fall through. The Nationals gave up, I think, uh, midway. Uh, they were they, they wanted to deal Robles. They were going to deal Robles, so we asked for Kiboom and Robles. Of course, that's little too much in my opinion uh but you know at least we have to deal with the Phillies I think the national prospects are on the rise they have some nice prospects as well very underrated prospects after one and two of course they have Luis Garcia and Mason Denneberg uh this is the MLB 2018 we have not went to the 2019 one yet because it is also being released tomorrow the day after the day after the uh podcast here but yeah definitely the Nationals have a lot of underrated prospects right after one and two but yeah, that was your NLE's preview show right then, right there. Um, you know, definitely so many more, you know, prospects to go to cover here in the NLE's. Uh, we definitely did them all in first, and so many prospects to cover. But next, we're going to get into the NLE standings, where we think all the teams are going to be standing. Um, Barry, I know you said that the Phillies were going to be on top of the division, but Barry, what is, who is before I say my predictions here? Who is your prediction to win the NL East this season? Who's going to be the division leader? Okay. Well, Barry, Barry's not there again. I don't know what's going on here. But right, I guess we're just going to dive right into the NL East standings. Uh, let's wait till Barry comes back on. I don't know if it's just me, but, yeah, the NL East standings, I got the Atlanta Braves winning the division this year. They're going to go 90-72. and 72. Of course, I do have the Braves winning it all this season. I do have them going to the World Series against the Yankees, actually. Um, but, yeah, we'll be getting into that right after. Uh, but before I get into the rest of that, we're going to head into a quick break here. Hopefully, we get Barry back right after the break. But we'll be right back. Hey, guys. This is Benson from Bucker Booth, also producer here on the show. Just want to make sure you tune in. This Saturday at 8 a.m. Eastern, we have a very special episode lined up for you. We're going to be breaking down, getting you guys ready for the Pirates-Phillies matchup later in the day, first spring training game. We're also going to be discussing the bench options for the Pirates in 2019, as well as taking a look back at the last five opening day starters, as Clint Hurdle just recently announced that Jameson Tyler will take them out on opening day and Chris Archer for their home opener. And to wrap it up, we're going to be looking at the top 100 prospect rankings and see where guys like Hugh Brian Hayes and Mitch Keller land. All this and much more on this week's episode of Bucko Booth at 8 a.m. Eastern. Make sure you tune in. You do not want to miss it. And uh, enjoy the rest of this episode. And we will see you Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. We're definitely back. And uh, sorry about that, but Comcast, we had a flicker on it. So uh, it was temporary, thank God. But we are back, and we're raring to go. Nick, go ahead. 
All right. We uh, glad to have you back, Barry, by the way. But um, our fellow producer, Benson, uh, make sure to check out the Bucko Booth Saturday. But anyway, um, going into the NLE standings here, Barry asked this question before, but unfortunately he disconnected. Who do you think, what team will be at top, on top of the division this year? Will be the Braves, the Phillies, the Nationals, or the Marlins? The Marlins? You're throwing the Marlins in there? Don't you mean the Mets? I mean, the Mets, my fault. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, yeah, yeah. Hey, Nick, you're optimistic. I think you're a year too soon, but you're optimistic. All right, here's, here's, here's my breakdown. Very simple. The Phillies come in at number one. Wow. Wow. Okay. The Nationals come in at number two. Wow, are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. Okay. okay. The Braves come in at number three. And I'm okay. really going to shock you here. The Marlins will be better than you think. They're coming in at number four. The Mets, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna be bottom dwellers. Trust me, Mattingly's got a kidding? plan. Mattingly's got a plan. Trust me on this oh. one. Mark it on your calendar. On the last show of the season, we're gonna go over this again. You're gonna see I'm right. As a matter of fact, Nick, wow. I'm gonna bet a dinner on it with you. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I'm, that's a little far fetched for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to take that bet off because that's actually. Very, very far fetched. I don't. I see the Mets. I got the. I thought. I thought the Mets had a pretty solid roster this year. I would have them above the Nationals. Here, listen to mine. I got. I actually. Um, here's my um, predictions for the NL East. I of course got the Braves going number one. They have the best roster in the league, in my opinion. They are going to go 90 and 72 this season. The New York Mets will come in at number two and beat out the Phillies, going 88 and 74. The New York Mets will be number two. Number three, the Philadelphia Phillies will be the number thirteen and go eighty-five and seventy-seven. But remember, this could change if they do land Bryce Harper. So if they land Harper, they can move up past the Mets. I mean, I see the Mets and the Phillies in a dogfight here. I think the Phillies definitely have a really good roster here, uh, but it's definitely gonna be a dogfight. This whole NL East is a stack whatsoever, and of course the Nationals coming in at four with eighty-two and eighty. I'm not really too high in the Nationals this season. Uh, they could prove me wrong. Uh, I'm just not really big into them, of course. And the Marlins, of course, coming in dead last place, going 67-95. and 95. Not expecting a huge amount of numbers from the Marlins this season. Of course, they're in a rebuilding phase. But, yeah, Barry, I am shocked you got the Marlins going fourth and the Braves going all the way down to third place. What's going on there? Hey, it's just my gut feeling. You know, I've seen crazier things happen in my years watching the game. You know, I've seen teams that were nobodies that came out of nowhere and they ended up winning the World Series, such as the amazing Mets going back into the 60s. Come on, nobody who knows anything about baseball will will be able to say that the amazing Mets were going to win the pennant. They were going to win the World Series back in 69. So bottom line to the whole thing, anything can happen. Injuries can happen. Uh, A trade can happen. Uh, players can be picked up. Uh, I think Harper's going to have a big bearing on this. And if Harper does end up going to the Phillies, look out, baby. Look out. It's going to happen. Philly's going to be the team to contend with. Again, though, I'm still a little upset. That you, I mean, I'm not upset, of course, but I'm a little shocked you got the Mets going number five. I thought the Mets had a pretty nice roster coming in. I was praising Edwin Diaz. 
uh, of definitely what they're doing. Of course, we had Jake on here earlier, which is uh, I'm still a little surprised you get the Mets going that far. I think the Mets definitely have a decent, you know, the rotation is definitely getting back on track. But remember, this is the, remember the NL East is very stacked. Takes nothing away from the Mets, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm just. Uh, a little surprise on that, anyway. But, hey, Nick, Nick, you know something? Nothing wrong with surprises. Don't get me wrong. I think the Mets have a really, 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 really good team, okay? But Mets have a history. And uh, sometimes teams are not cracked up the way they look or appear going into the season, all right? So I'm going to put my mar- money on the Marlins prior to, prior to the Mets being in fourth and uh, uh, the Mets being in fifth, and I know Jake is on the line. He's going to come back and give me an earful. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's going it. on, here, guys? Here he comes. Come on, Jake. Come on down. <laughs> I heard I heard we were turning into a conspiracy theorist podcast over here. Hey, what can I say? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, don't, I didn't hear the first part, and I don't know what basis this was based off of, but all I know is that the Marlins – I mean, they they really. I mean, you guys are going to be about thirty or forty wins below us. So I, I mean, oh, uh-huh. yeah. I don't I don't really see I don't really see us falling behind you guys. Uh, and I don't think even if all of our cylinders don't fire like we were talking about earlier, I think even if we have a bunch of AAA guys, our AAA team could probably beat the Marlins. Oh, Ooh, okay. rough words there. I see, Ooh, those I are fighting words. See, this is what I call. Those are fighting words, buddy. This is what I call the division rivalry over here. No, all right, all right. I see. I love it, Jay. Wait wait until we get on your show, buddy. Oh boy, I know what I'm for. (laughs) All right, guys. This is a rivalry. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Back and forth. I hope you guys call into us. I wanna, I wanna hear what you guys have to say. No, we will. We will. We are. We are. Jake, I just gotta say something to you. All right, it's all in fun. It really is. Yeah, of course. And, and, oh, and of the course, truth of is, course. truth is, I loved having you on the show with us tonight. You were very, very informative. And I know we're going to be on your show this week as well, but I don't want it to stop from there. I like you, buddy. I want to do it throughout the season. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you when I want to do it. Right after the Marlins play the Mets in the first series, I want to have you on our show. We're going to talk about it again. 100%. We're going we're gonna to go <laughs> inning by inning, and we're going to talk about how the Mets are a better team. Oh, okay. Let me tell you this. Oh, we're bringing out the again. Army. I love it. <laughs> we're, we're, we're bringing out the Army right? when we get on your podcast, all right? I know I'm, we're calling going, out the, I'm calling out the oh, National geez. Guard. Oh, geez. i got to get John over here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jake. All right, guys. All right. All right Jake. Thanks for calling back. Thanks for calling back. Of course. All right, guys. All right, take care. All right, guys, that was just Jake. Wow, all right. So now we got some, uh, We got the pot stirring a little bit. We got a little rivalry going. <laughs> I knew when Barry said that, I was I was thinking in my head, like, all right, Jake's calling it. There's no way. He's not calling it. He's going to say something. So that's all I'm saying, Barry. What is going on? I have to talk good about the match. Come on now. <laughs> hey, no, no, don't get me wrong. They got a really, really good team, and uh, Jake's a great guy, no doubt about it. But, uh I'll tell you what, uh, again, uh, the Marlins are going to surprise the Mets, trust me. But you know what? Uh, I yeah. think it's time to go into the playoff predictions. What do you think? Yes, I actually prepared this whole bracket, Barry. I know you helped me out with this as well. 
the playoff predictions for the MLB. I'm going to jump right into this. I know it's going to be the same wild card matchup last year. It will be the Athletics and the Yankees for the AL and the Dodgers and the Cubs for the NL. So I'm just going to do the AL first here. I got the Yankees defeating the Athletics and heading down to go face on the Red Sox again. And the Indians and the Astros will face off as well. The Astros will defeat the Indians and head down to the NL championship. I mean, the AL championship, my fault. And the Yankees will actually defeat the Boston Red Sox and head down to the AL championship series. The Yankees will defeat the Astros and head into the World Series. The Dodgers and the Cubs, I got the Dodgers defeating the Cubs, and they will take on the Braves while the Rockies take on the Brewers. The Brewers will win, and the Braves will win. So the Braves beat the Dodgers here. I know I'm very high in the Braves. And, of course, I got the Brewers taking, beating the Rockies. Christian Yelich will probably be the main guy there. Chris, of course, he's the former Marlins. Always happens to us. <laughs> but, yes, I do actually have the Braves upsetting the Brewers, and the Braves will be in the World Series with the Yankees. And, of course, the Yankees, in my opinion, will defeat the Braves, and the Yankees will be the World Series champions. Barry, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I'll tell you the truth, Nick. I agree with you. The Yankees will beat out the Red Sox and eventually become the 2019 World Series champions, no doubt in my mind. They've got a team uh, that is going to match up with anybody, anywhere, and they're going to beat just about anybody, anywhere. Look for the Yankees in the series. I got a question. How could you say the Braves – how can you agree with that? When you said the Braves were going to be in third place and not even make the playoffs. Come on now. Hey, it's my opinion. It's my opinion. I said earlier earlier in the evening that one, two, and three are going to be very, very close. A game, game and a half, maybe two games behind in the last week of the season. Anything and everything can happen. And in Major League Baseball, don't say never is never, because never is never. It will be something happening. And mark my words, my predictions will come through. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully we see the Mets in last place because of Jake. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Sorry, no, Jake. It's going to be a tough NL East uh, this year. Um but, yeah, we are actually headed into the final uh, minutes of our podcast, definitely one of our longer podcasts of the year. Um, uh, whoever stayed on here throughout the whole thing, thank you guys so much. It's definitely a long podcast for us, but we enjoyed it the whole time, having the representatives from the fan cast come on here. And, and, uh, they, you know, they definitely got to pick their brain a little bit. And, of course, Jay coming on here from the uh, New York Mets podcast. Um, thank you guys so much for listening in tonight. Uh, as we will be joining FanCast and the Amazing Mets throughout this week. So I'll definitely have it on my story for more Marlins updates. Make sure to head on to the Marlins underscore underscore news Instagram. Again, Marlins double underscore news. Head over there. I post daily. Uh, my lineup and rotation prediction will be coming out very, very soon. Look for that tomorrow, actually, as I am working on that tonight, and we'll probably get that out tomorrow. Barry, you can say a couple words, and then I'll close out from there. Go Marlins, go! What is that? What what was that song? Uh, the Blackhawks, or I'm sorry, the Cubs. Go the Cubs, Cubs, go go Cubs, go Cubs, go! Go, go. Well, go Marlins, go! Go Marlins, go! 
Yeah, I'm a homer. I can't help myself. Uh, I love the Marlins. They are rebuilding. They're going to surprise people this year. Look for the Phillies. Look for the Phillies. And, again, look for the Phillies. The Yankees will be the champions of the, uh, of the world once again. We want to thank you all, right. all for coming. And uh, we're going to close out this podcast this evening by thanking all of our guests. And we're, we're very happy to have uh, them on the program, and we'll look forward to speaking to them again in the near future. In, in the interim, to all of our fans, have a great evening, and uh, be sure to tune in to the Marlins Catch next Monday night at 7.30. And don't forget to listen in when we're on the Philly show, the fan cast, and we're going to be talking to Jake again one more time. And we're going to have fun with Jake, my friend. Wish us luck. Wish us luck with that because, you know, it's definitely going to be a good show. And next Monday night, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to be trying to get another player on here with us that you guys love when, you know, we had the players on here. But thank you guys so much for coming on tonight, and we'll have a nice night. See you See you later. Produced by Benson Vector. The Marlins Catch is a production of the Baseball Podcast Network. Be sure to give our host Nick a follow on Instagram at Marlins Double Underscore News and follow the Marlins Catch on Instagram as well at the Marlins Catch. For more of the Marlins Catch content, be sure to head over to their website at themarlinscatch.com and to check out the Baseball Podcast Network on their website, go to baseballpodcastnet.com. Be sure to follow the Baseball Podcast Network on all their social media platforms. Instagram, at Baseball Podcast Net. Twitter, at Baseball Podcast One. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-1. YouTube, at Baseball Podcast Network. And SoundCloud, at Baseball Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in to the Marlins Catch. We'll see you next time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.